Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fresh Cap Radio, the official podcast of mushroom lovers, Michael Files, and the Fresh Cap family. Every week me and Tegan talk about the magic of mushrooms. I'm so happy to have you here. This week we are talking about five medicinal mushrooms you've never heard of. Now of course you might actually have heard of some of these mushrooms, but maybe you never considered them as medicinal mushrooms. They're some of the lesser known mushrooms, but that doesn't mean they're any less powerful or any less important. So we're going to be talking about all those really, really cool mushrooms. And also, I just wanted to note, we do film this as a YouTube show. So if you're just listening to the podcast, you might miss out on some of the contacts because we do like to share graphics and pictures and videos and stuff on YouTube. So if you want to go check that out, just go over to youtube.com slash freshcatmushrooms or just YouTube search freshcatmushrooms and you should see it pop up and you'll get the full experience. Nonetheless, uh, I think this will still be a great episode to listen to and learn about the five most powerful medicinal mushrooms that you've never heard of. So let's get right into it. The one thing I wanted to say, we're going to get into the main topic, and today we're talking about the top five medicinal mushrooms you've never heard of, and obviously you might have heard of them before, but a lot of people don't think of these mushrooms we're going to talk about as medicinal mushrooms. So super excited to get into that topic, but first of all, I wanted to do a shout out and talk a little bit about one of my favorite events is the Telluride Mushroom Festival. So can you tell us a little bit about what's going on this year? Yeah, so this year, because of everything that's going on in the world, they are moving to a virtual format. So you will still be able to enjoy the Telluride Mushroom Festival, but in a different way. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know what the Telluride Mushroom Festival is, it's we go there every year and it's an amazing event in Telluride, Colorado, where people get together and they go mushroom foraging and go to all these mushroom lectures and do all sorts of really uh, fun things. And all, all sorts of people from all over the world really come together and talk about and hang out and, and go foraging for mushrooms and all sorts of really cool stuff. Unfortunately, this year, obviously because of everything that's going on, um, the event is it's not cancelled. Uh, they're doing some socially distant stuff in Telluride, but for the most part, everything they're doing normally is moved online. So there's going to be a virtual festival from August 10th to 16th. That means there's going to be live streaming videos every night, including mushroom cooking videos, wild foraging how-tos, and all the presentations of the normal mushroom festival. Um, but in an online format. So it sounds like it's still gonna be really, really fun. Um, tickets for the event, you can get them. I'll put a link in the description of this video. Tickets for the event are 75 bucks, which I think is a great deal because you're gonna get a ton of really cool information and it's gonna be a lot cheaper, obviously, than going to Colorado. And if you've never been to the festival, it might be a really good way to kind of get a taste for what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I'll say is there's something called the Mighty Networks. So you can kind of think of it like a Facebook, but just for the Telluride Mushroom Festival, where people can get together and network and, and, and talk about mushrooms and all sorts of cool stuff going in on there. And that one's totally free. So I'll put the link to the Mighty Networks as well. All right. So excellent. Let's get into the main topic. Into the mushrooms of the episode. So <laughs> not into the meat of the episode, no, the mushrooms, the mushrooms of the episode. So as we start talking about lots last week and the week before there's a lot of mushrooms that are kind of medicinal mushrooms and gourmet mushrooms and the more we start talking about this and the more we realize that that line between medicinal mushrooms and, and gourmet mushrooms kind of gets more and more blurred because mushrooms of all types have all sorts of wonderful benefits so some of the ones we're going to talk about today um, do also have that medicinal mushroom gourmet mushroom combination yeah, and you might not know them as functional or medicinal mushrooms. You might just recognize them as something you would see at the grocery store or something maybe you've never even heard of. So this will be a really interesting quick dive into a few of these mushrooms that are 
commonly eaten but also have these functional benefits. So the first mushroom that we want to talk about today is enoki or enokitake. Um, the scientific name is Flamulina volutipes, volutipes meaning velvet foot because uh, it does have a fuzzy stem um, and this is actually one of the earliest cultivated mushrooms. I have in my notes here that it was cultivated around 800 AD, not 1800, 800. So this one's been around for a long time. It's been used for culinary and medicinal purposes for a really, really long time. And there's a great chance that you've eaten it quite often as well. Because if you don't know what enoki is, it's a tiny little mushroom with a tiny little cap and a really long, thin stem. And it's grown that way on purpose. Now, if you see enoki in the wild, it looks like a completely different mushroom. It'll be kind of an orangey brown color. It's got a much bigger cap and it will grow on trees because it's a saprophytic mushroom. But when it's cultivated, it's cultivated in a low oxygen environment, so high CO2, which causes it to have that really long stem. And it's also cultivated in a low light environment, which why it, it loses a lot of that color. Um, so the cultivated variety and the wild variety look totally different, but either way, they have some interesting properties and interesting compounds that we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, and usually in the grocery store, you'll find these packaged in a little cellophane package, and they're little groups or bundles of mushrooms about that wide. And yeah, the bottoms are usually compacted together because that's where they cut them off of the growing medium. Yeah, and uh, we like to grow enoki as well, just for fun in the kitchen. We actually have a, a recipe for enoki mushroom pancakes, if you want to check that out. They're not really pancakes, but that's what we call them, and they're in pancake shape anyway, and uh, they're, they're pretty delicious. Yeah, don't think of it as your typical Sunday morning, you know, maple syrup, blueberry sauce pancakes. These are savory. They have um, a dipping sauce, which is like soy sauce based, so it's very flavorful. So it's definitely not your morning breakfast right. recipe. So let's talk briefly about the health benefits or the potential medicinal value of enoki mushrooms. So enoki, like all mushrooms, contains you know, protein-bound polysaccharides, which are able to modulate and support our immune system, but it has some unique protein-bound polysaccharides in it. It contains two protein-bound polysaccharides called proflamin and flamulin, which comes from the name flamulina, the scientific name for enoki. Um, and the interesting thing about proflamin is that it has a lot more protein than uh, sugar part of the protein bound polysaccharide which means it's a lot smaller of a molecule so typically beta glucans and, and other protein bound polysaccharides can come in all different shapes and sizes but the ones in enoki are specifically quite small uh, even sometimes up to a magnitude order of magnitude smaller than other protein bound polysaccharides which gives it some uh, you can kind of think of it as like more efficiency in kind of modulating the immune system. So anything else that you wanted to talk about specifically about enoki? Well, enoki has been researched for its ability to reduce the severity of food allergies. So there's a specific protein that's been isolated, it's FIPFVE or fungal immunomodulatory protein, FVE standing for Flemulina volutipes, um, which is a major fruiting body protein in this mushroom, and it's been isolated and used in the mouse model to uh, protect from anaphylaxis-like symptoms in allergies. That's amazing. And actually, yeah. so enoki's not the only mushroom that's been studied for a potential allergy. In fact, we're gonna talk about another one coming up here, um, but it, it is pretty interesting to see that, it, you know, in the mouse model under clinical studies, it has been shown to reduce the severity of anaphylaxis. Like, mm -hmm. how interesting is that? 
Um, one more thing I'll say about Anoki too is there was a study done in Nagano, Japan, where they had this thought that it's, there's a potential that Anoki mushroom farmers might have lower death rates from cancer or like lower number of deaths from cancer per population. And one of the thoughts was because of the consumption of enoki mushroom. Of course, this hasn't been proven, but this is kind of the hypothesis of the study. So I'll just read here. One study in Nagano, Japan, wanted to see if there was a difference in the cancer death rate among flamulina farmers and others. They studied 174,505 inhabitants and found that the cancer death rate from enoki farmers was significantly lower at 97 per 100,000 compared to 160 per 100,000. So uh, give or take, what is that, 50% uh, reduction. So that's really interesting. And if you want to read that article, I'll put the link in the description of the video and you can go ahead and check that out. Yeah, so that's very promising. It's very interesting, yeah. So next time you see those enokis in the grocery store, maybe pick some up. Yeah, well, even just eat them because they're tasty. I think mm -hmm. uh, enoki mushrooms are they're great. They're one of my favorites to grow because they're so versatile. You can put them in a, a bunch of different things. Yeah, and they're very neutral in flavor, so it's not going to lend any weird off notes. And you can put them in soups, in ramen, in anything. They almost mimic a noodle with their long stems. It's a right. very versatile mushroom. So the next one we're going to talk about has a really fun scientific name. It's so nice that they named it twice. The scientific name is Auricularia auricula. Um, and I love saying that. And it is also known as the wood ear mushroom. Um, which is pretty obvious why it looks kind of like an ear and it grows on wood and there's a really good chance that you've seen the wood ear mushroom if you're just kind of walking around in the woods it grows quite often um, on dead logs on the ground and you'll see a, a bunch of fruitings of this wood ear mushroom it's a jelly fungus so the texture is not for everybody you see it on a lot of soups and stuff like that yeah typically crunchy and rubbery texture and it's been cultivated for a really really long time as well which is really cool so just kind of briefly, let's talk about what are the, some of the health benefits or the potential health benefits or the potential medicinal value of woodier mushroom. Right. Well, the woodier mushroom shows strong antioxidant properties, and this also correlates to its ability to be cardioprotective. So again, this is another one that you, you would probably not see a powdered extract or something like that. Or even in the grocery store. Yeah, um, I guess it depends where you are because you can find dried woodier mushrooms and um, I've seen them in a lot of like Asian cuisine. Uh, you see them at hot pots a lot of the time when you go there, they'll have them. Um, and yeah, to be honest, they're, they're not my favorite. They're a little, little chewy, but a lot of people really do like them. So that's Auricularia auricula. So there you go. It'll be fun. And also another one of the most anciently cultivated, it's been cultivated for a really long time. I don't have the number here, but like a thousand years or so. So it's, it's not a newcomer. What's the next mushroom, Tegan? I'll bring it close to the screen. This is Tremella. So the next mushroom we wanted to talk about today is Tremella fusiformis. This is another jelly fungus. Um, it is an incredibly beautiful mushroom when you see it growing. Uh, it just grows in these perfect kind of, what do they look like? A big, like a sponge or something, right? And um, Tremella fusiformis is, is kind of known as, well, a lot of people just call it Tremella, but it's also kind of known as the beauty mushroom because a lot of people use it for skin health and for its potential anti-aging properties. But one of the most interesting things about Tremella is how it grows. For the longest time, it was a total mystery. Uh, people would find it in the wild, people would try to cultivate it, and nobody could really figure it out until people realized that Tremella is actually a parasitic mushroom. And instead of being parasitic on living trees or on animals like cordyceps, for example, or insects like cordyceps, I should say, 
Um, tremella is parasitic to another fungus. So what it does is, so in order to grow tremella, you need to inoculate the log with both tremella, but also the, another species that the tremella parasitizes. And once it parasitizes it, then it's able to fruit and you can harvest it and enjoy it. And again, this is another one that you'll see as a culinary mushroom and also as a medicinal mushroom. And out of the, all the ones we're gonna talk about today, tremella, you actually can find powdered extracts of it. Yep. You might see it in beauty products. Mm-hmm, commonly in beauty products. Yeah. yeah. And what are some of the reasons behind why it's in beauty products or why it's considered the beauty mushroom? It is used for its ability to retain moisture in the skin and also heal skin. So yeah, Tremella fusiformis, I've actually even seen this one in a beverage and it's really cool. Um, it's like a, like a bottled drink and it's got a Tremella floating around in it and it's pretty darn tasty. Now is it a whole Tremella or chopped up into little bits? It looks like a whole Tremella. Uh, it probably isn't, but- um, uh, Maybe chunks it's, of it? It's probably chunks and it, it expands a little bit. Um, but yeah, seeing these grow is just, is just absolutely wonderful. So Tremella is a really interesting Mushroom. And I think actually you're going to see, start to see a lot more tremella around because um, of all the potential anti-aging benefits and all the other cool stuff that it's uh, being used for. Yeah, skin health, nourishing the brain, lots of benefits. Okay, so moving on to the next mushroom I want to talk about today. This is a close relative of the traditional button mushroom. And by button mushroom, I mean like the ones that you see in the grocery store, white buttons or portobellas of the same species. The one I'm going to talk about today is called agaragus superfessence or agaragus blazii. It's more commonly known as agaragus blazii. This is a dried specimen, so it looks, when it's, when it's live or when it's fresh, it looks a lot different than that. Agaragus blazii is a really tasty mushroom. It's, it's, I would say, orders of magnitude more delicious than a regular white button mushroom, but it's really hard to find it fresh because not a lot of people grow it, but when you do grow it, it grows very similarly to how button mushrooms grow. So it grows on these beds of compost and some sort of other substrate like straw or reeds or something like that. And it likes to grow in, um, well, it will grow in warmer temperatures than, than button mushrooms. So it's often grown in, in tropical areas. Um, so how come it's not commonly grown? What's the barrier? Honestly, I don't really know. I know, I think like, it depends. It's just one of those ones that's not necessarily been economically viable or, or to, to grow in a lot of places. So where they do grow it, obviously it's economically viable and they use it. Um, and this is one of the ones that they will turn into, you know, a medicinal mushroom extract or, um, but it's also eaten fresh and sold fresh as well. You can smell it. You can smell the umami on it. Ooh, yeah, can. that's that's really interesting. That's pretty cool. So agaragus blazii does contain a bunch of immune immune supporting, excuse me, polysaccharides, um, and there has been lots of studies done on this one as well. And there is uh, compounds you can get. There's even like a trademarked um, extract that has agaragus blazii as the main component, and that one has had some studies done on it as well, which I'll link to in the description of this video if you want to go learn about what people are using agaragus blazii for. Yeah, and that one was shown to reduce allergic reactions. So like the other mushroom we were talking about, this one also is shown to reduce allergic reactions. Right, and that was that extract that I said that has, yeah, 82% agaricus blazii. Um, and I think the other ones in there was a little bit of mitake and some lion's mane. So um, yeah, another medicinal mushroom that maybe you never heard of with some pretty interesting properties. So the last one we're gonna talk about today, you've definitely heard of. Uh, it is the oyster mushroom. And you might be thinking, oyster mushrooms, that's not a medicinal mushroom. It is. 
but it is. It is definitely considered a medicinal mushroom. It's another one that there is actually extracts and powders of oyster mushrooms, but you can also find oyster mushrooms quite easily fresh and you can easily grow them yourself too if you want to do it that way. There's lots of different species of oyster mushrooms, but the one we're going to specifically talk about today is Pleurotus ostriatus, or just kind of the common oyster mushroom, the one that you go and find quite easily at the grocery store or the farmer's market. Oyster mushrooms contain a lot of immune-supporting polysaccharides like all medicinal mushrooms, but one of the really interesting things about oyster in particular is it contains a super high concentration of something called ergothionine. Yeah, and ergothionine is found really highly in mushrooms and bacteria and other sources where you can get ergothionine because you don't produce it in your body. Um, but is most in the highest concentrations found in mushrooms and bacteria, oysters being one of the highest. Now, ergothionine is an interesting compound because your body produces a highly specific transport protein just for ergothionine, which makes it extremely more bioavailable in the body. So that just goes to show that your body is using this ergothionine for a very specific function. Mm -hmm. so. Even though we're not quite sure what that function is yet, right? Mm -hmm. So the one interesting thing about ergothionine, like Tegan said, is that it seems to be uh, necessary. I think it's uh, the people are trying to classify it as a vitamin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yet they don't quite know what it does. It's a strong antioxidant. Okay. And they're finding that in people where their tissues are low in ergothionine, it can actually have toxic effects. So being so low can have really negative effects on the body. So just goes to show that ergothionine is a very important thing to have and it does accumulate in specific areas, specific tissues of the body. I know like the, the eye, certain areas, I forget the other ones, but it is something that your body needs. So get those oyster mushrooms. It's the, one of the best sources. Get that ergothionine. I know, I know I've seen like you can get supplements like L-ergothionine. I don't know where that's actually sourced from, but in terms of natural sources, there's not all that many, right? And mushrooms are one of them. They are, ergothionine is in normal button mushrooms in lower concentrations, but oyster mushrooms in a much higher concentration. Actually, just an interesting point, the one mushroom that has the highest concentration of ergothionine out of all the mushrooms is porcini. Um, but uh, it's a lot easier to get oysters than it is to get porcini, that's for sure. Yeah, and oysters would be right up there with porcini, so. Right. You're not going wrong by eating those oysters, so. Not going wrong by getting And they've also shown really great effects with prostate health and um, cognitive decline with ergothionine. So reducing cognitive decline and improving your prostate health. Amazing. So, and the one other thing I'll say about ergothionine is from the studies they've done, like cooking it doesn't diminish the amount of ergothionine in there. So you should always cook mushrooms. You shouldn't eat mushrooms raw, but yeah, ergothionine doesn't get degraded by cooking, which is, is pretty cool too. Um, the one last thing I'll say about oyster mushrooms is that they've also been studied for their ability to help with cholesterol, especially in animal studies showing Pleurotus ostriatus, or just a typical oyster mushroom, having the ability to produce improvements in blood lipid levels at 5% of the diet. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there's lots more research that needs to be done, but oyster mushrooms contain some very specific compounds that are, are good for potentially controlling uh, cholesterol levels. So, again, we could go on for a long time about these different mushrooms. It's always amazing to me to learn about these different species, learn about what they can do, learn about the potential that they have, and maybe find different ways that we can get them in our life. So I just think that's so interesting. Yeah, so next time you're at the grocery store, look for those enokis, look for those oysters, and maybe see if you can find some tremella. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I've never seen tremella in a grocery store. Not in a grocery store, but maybe as a supplement, you might be able to find yeah. it. Yeah. See them in a or read, turn around your face cream and see maybe your serum or your face cream might have tremella in it. You, you know never I mean? know. You never know. Dig deep.
So again, that's it for this episode. Um, thank you so much for watching. And yeah, like I said, if you want any more information about these particular mushrooms, especially if you're, if you're planning on using them for specific use or you're looking them to help with a specific condition, do your own research, um, make sure you read the links. And yeah, if you're ever gonna use them, make sure you check with your doctor or natural healthcare practitioner or something like that. Cause again, we're not doctors, we're just sharing uh, the information that we find about these amazing mushrooms and trying to uh, do continue our mission of spreading the magic of mushrooms. So I hope you learned something today. Um, and yeah, that's it.